Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Now, we've got a new workshop that we're bringing to you. It's the Stepping Stone Strategy Workshop. We're running this live, online live. uh, Online live, interactive. (laughs) On Saturday, 19th of June from 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You get to do the workshop, but also ask us loads of questions. Looking forward to it. I'm quite excited about this one, actually, because we ran a poll and we asked people, what do you want from us next? What part of our brain do you want to pick? And it was rent bursting versus stepping stone strategy and more than double the amount of people wanted the stepping stone strategy. So if you want to make sure that your first property does the heavy lifting to make sure that your dream home will be achievable in the future, then the Stepping Stone Strategy Workshop is the place to come to get the foundation steps right so that you get that first purchase on the ladder right and then can step towards the dream home. Now, to find out more, look at homebuyeracademy.com.au forward slash SSW. It's that simple, but we will put the link in the show notes. These live workshops, we only do them a few times a year and they're Mm -hmm. fantastic. So please join us. In this episode, we're doing a regional spotlight focusing on the things that first home buyers need to know about buying in regional New South Wales. Now, local knowledge is so important. We bang on about this all the time when you're buying property. And today, we're talking to a local expert who is going to share his tips on what first home buyers should be looking for and the mistakes they can avoid in their areas. Our guest buyer's agent is, drumroll please, Matthew Ward from Aspect Buyer's Agency, which is actually based in Orange, New South Wales. Thanks for joining us. No worries, Megan. Thanks for having me. Lovely. Now, first of all, Matthew, you're based in Orange, but you actually cover a really wide range from Blue Mountains out to Dubbo, down to Wagga Wagga, up, up to Tamworth. Are there any areas you cover where you've noticed a lot more first-time buyer activity, particularly those moving out of the cities maybe? Yeah, look, the price point in Sydney uh, has really woken people up. I think that the COVID experience has changed the game out this way a lot. And I guess the timing of the NBN rollout was um, 
pretty critical there. Um, you know, if mm. we were all still on dial-up, I think things would have been very different. Um, <laughs> but look, the NBN That's the irony of that. <laughs> but the, the NBN was rolled out and then COVID happened and then all of a sudden yeah. the world had to think of a new way to live. And mm. through that process, um, I think it really woke people up to the options of well, that you can leave Sydney, you can get a job, you can live, um, you can go back to Sydney, um, but you can also, you know, get a better lifestyle if that's what sort of lifestyle that you want. Not everyone wants to be the inner city, you know, trendy couple. Um, and if you're living in, you know, the well, anywhere in Sydney and you you can't afford or in any capital city really, but Sydney is, is where most of my clients come from, mm. um, and you can't afford to buy homes and you and you want to get off that rental sort of conveyor belt, regional somewhere uh, has become the affordable option. And and I think being trapped in New South Wales has forced people to travel and see what New South Wales regionally has to offer, and they get across the mountains and go, oh, geez, actually, this is not so bad, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're also lucky it's no longer a drought, aren't we? I mean, if we went well, over, over the mountains when it was in a drought, we might not be thinking it's hmm, not so bad. <laughs> no, that's right. Certainly the seasons has helped. It's all fallen into place for regional New South Wales, um, <laughs> breaking the drought and COVID and all those sorts of things. But look, the, here in Orange, I think COVID realistically lasted about six weeks for us. And then we got out of lockdown and, and life went back to normal. Uh, for, Isn't that both- interesting? It was such a short period of time in some locations. And yeah. and look, we're not medical experts and certainly not pandemic experts, but you know, it's really interesting in talking to different from different you know, different buyers agents from different regions, how differently they were impacted. You know, we had Kate Bakos who talked about, you know, Melbourne and regional Melbourne being locked down for such a long period of time, but now really strong growth again. Um and and you're saying that there was only about six weeks where everyone had a long extended holiday, really? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, once the once the we were allowed out of the house again, um, and you know, COVID distancing and all that sort of stuff. Like we haven't had an outbreak here. We think, I think you know, we might have had three or four cases pass through town, and they mm-hmm. you know, went for coffee or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there was no local contagion here. Um, mm-hmm. So as long as everyone just wore their masks, which actually that didn't even happen for long either, to be honest. <laughs> Um, Isolation can be positive in some circumstances, and and I guess this is where we've seen it's kind of worked for us. Even as an island, it's it's worked in our mm-hmm. favour. Tell us, Matthew, what are first home buyers buying in those areas? Yeah, look, it really depends on where their money's coming from, and yeah, obviously there's there's the banks, and then there's also the banks of mum and dad, and mm-hmm. that is a you know it's quite a common phenomenon um, that I'm seeing. And that really pitches the the, um, the budgets quite differently. Mm. Um, you know, I've got clients at the moment who have got less than $220,000 for their first home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got other other guys who have just went and spent $800,000 from the bank of mum and dad on their first home. Are they using equity out of their parents' properties? Is that when you say bank of mum and dad, is that largely coming from their Sydney? Oh, well, it's Sydney, certainly Sydney, um, mm. North Shore, Eastern Suburbs. Yeah, sort of backing mm-hmm. uh, is where they've been from, and uh, how they how mum and dad get hold of that cash. I didn't get into that detail with them, just as long as they can settle. <laughs> as long as they can prove they've got it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. and, so um, what? Are, 
What is someone who's got 220000 what are they going to buy? Well, uh, you know, if you jump on realestate.com and, and put in under 225000 you'll show, you know, depending on what, there's 1,500 properties to buy across New South Wales. Mm. Now, um, I actually had a bloke earlier in the year who had 50 grand to spend and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be part of that. But Oh, Veronica, what are you thinking? Like, Oh, was, like the, the corner of a parking space? <laughs> not in even Sydney? a car space in Sydney. You've no, been... a corner. No, <laughs> yeah, not the exactly. whole thing. Exactly. Just where you can put some boxes in the corner of a car park. <laughs> Store them. Sorry, Matthew, we digress. <laughs> $50,000, my God, that's not even a deposit in Sydney. So <laughs> It's not even the stamp duty. Yeah, practically. No, it's not, and you know, I I wasn't involved with that, but I kept in contact with a guy because uh, I was talking about other stuff. But look, he went out to Ivanhoe, I think it was in the end, and bought a house out there. And you know, Ivanhoe is not the most dynamic market. Um, but <laughs> Hence, why you can buy a house for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> what could you have bought for fifty thousand? No, what would you have paid for the same house in Ivanhoe ten years ago? Oh, twenty thousand dollars. Okay, so it's had growth. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it's all relative. Mm. Right? Yeah, mm. it's percentage. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> it's not, if it's been renovated or something like that, you get a bit more for it. Um, Mind you, I'm sure it's not worth renovating at those prices. Getting <laughs> is the hardest thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I wonder about overcapitalisation. What, what sort of rent would you get on something like that? Is it a rent vesting option? Yeah, $100 a week or something like that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, at some level, those things make sense. If you wow, so this really opens up. This is a great conversation to have because you know these are markets that Veronica and I aren't familiar with. Mm. Um, but but these are really good opportunities for um, first time buyers who can't perhaps gather that deposit. And we talk about different options, stepping stone options, and also rent vesting <laughs> options. Hey, Megan, you said it was a good opportunity. I think we need to find out more from Matthew whether it really was a good opportunity. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> this is a good opportunity to talk to someone who knows what they're uh, talking yes, that's about. that's a good opportunity. <laughs> Let me finish. Um, to, to see, yes, you can do this. And yes, the rent return sounds good. And yes, there seems to have been some growth there. But, you know, what's the opportunity cost of investing in these types of markets? And was there an anomaly that led to some sort of growth during that period that may not be attainable going forward? So um, even looking at some of those case studies, Matthew, would it be fair to say, you know, don't just go, what can I buy for under $100,000 and go, you know, throw the dart and that could be good for me because it's got a good rental return. It, it, I think there's still a lot more to look at isn't there yeah when you think about 100 bucks a week's five thousand dollars a year you blow an air conditioning up an air conditioning unit up there's half your rent gone mm. well, there's all your rent because you got your mates yeah all of a sudden yep. you're backwards and and that's the that's the issue with those properties at that value particularly if you're renting them out um you know i looked at um some property i think it was forty thousand dollars it was a strata there was no sinking fund there was no management the air conditioning had had, had, uh, was dead mm. in hot western climate. You've got to replace that. So there's three thousand mm. dollars out of the five thousand dollar a year income. Oh, you know, it's and then you've got tenants who aren't kind to the property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of a sudden, so much to know, so much to understand, it, so many things to think all, about. They aren't all they're cracked up to be. They're, you know, the, the big numbers sound exciting, but when you actually get into it, it's it's they're not so good. But Getting back to say someone who's got two hundred and twenty grand to spend, mm-hmm. I think there's probably eight hundred options that I looked at uh, this week for those people. But 
narrowed it down to probably two or three suburbs within a regional centre which aren't social housing dominated, um, close to shops, on the bus route, uh, those types of things. And now they're, you know, they're going to be pulling 4% net, which is probably where you expect that style of property to be in a, uh, you know, a serious regional centre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that one's about 80,000 people. So they are, they're still, you can be close to the bottom of the, of the ladder, but you don't have to be on the very bottom rung. You know, you mm. can, if you know what you're looking at and know the areas where you're buying, you can see the opportunities and de-risk them as best as possible. Um, and that's the approach that I take. You're never going to get, um, you know, A-grade property, but you can limit your risk and exposure to risk by buying the best, you, the worst house in the best street. It's an, it's an old analogy, but that's where it really comes down to. Um, and you've just got to be very picky um, and just keep looking until the right one comes up. And they do. They are around. Uh, but you've really got to understand what you're looking at and do your research and and um, look, look why, understand why that market moves and what's moving that market and how's it performed and where's it going. And it's all the same stuff that you would for any market. But um, it's just you've just got to be very mindful because at the end of the year, you know, on $200,000, you're getting 200 bucks a week rent. That's 10 and a half grand. You lose four or five to strata and, rent and rates and then you got five grand at the end of the year, which, you know, needs to be carefully monitored. Um, Absolutely. So that's sort of talking about um, investment opportunities. Where, you know, you talk about what's driving prices and I would suspect that a lot of that migration from more urban areas is what's driving prices in regional centres. So you've got to be very careful, I guess, that you're buying a good foundation product, property that's not necessarily only hyped up in price because of all the city slickers. But Whereabouts are, I guess, if, if the big migration of first-time buyers is coming from the cities, where specifically, what sort of locations are they really uh, leaning towards? Yeah, the, it's the bigger regional centres. I mean, all, all areas are – so what's happening is, uh, let's use Orange as, as, as the case study. People are coming into Sydney from um, – into Orange, rather, from Sydney. They've got a – skewed idea of what value is. <laughs> yeah. So that you're saying that they look th- look at orange property through the, the Sydney lens and go, oh, my God, this is great value, such a yeah. bargain. Yeah, look how close we are to the city. Yeah. You can walk so, to cafes. Yeah, that's all those five-minute walk and draw drive to wherever, yeah. uh, all those sorts of things. And um, so uh, orange was busy before COVID hit. It was already pumping and then COVID came and it's, it didn't really slow down too much and then COVID came out of its box. We all got out of the COVID box and the world's gone crazy again. So, um, but an orange is, is the same as, as Dubbo and Wagga and Bathurst. All these towns are just going nuts at the moment. Every regional centre you talk to, they all the agents can't believe it. They can't price property. There's no rental properties. Um, you know, I heard somebody knock Bathurst the other day auctioning a rental property. So, <laughs> oh, actually, illegal in Queensland. So, legal in New South Wales is that? You can do it here. Yeah. Okay. In, yeah. in fact, in Sydney, Incredible. not now. I think the I think the unspoken <laughs> thing is the rental crisis that, that mm. we're recording this in May of 2021. 
um, we're post COVID and a lot of um, investors have been selling their their properties, uh, which has reduced the number of properties available. We don't have buyers buying investment properties at the moment. Owner occupiers are sucking up all the stock. Um, and it's interesting that you're seeing that in the regional locations as well, because certainly we're seeing it very strongly in Brisbane. Um, and, it, you know, I hold, hold grave fears for that rental market for people who are trying to get into to properties. Yeah. So what is happening is that the the rental prices are going up, the values are going up, and the people who are marginal to start with are being pushed out the bottom of the of the ladder. And as a result, they're being pushed into cheaper markets, which is, you know, the fringe villages or cheaper towns and locations and those sorts of things, which then becomes problematic for jobs. And it just starts a, a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was doing some work for a housing provider and they got some, some great government funding and the, um, to, to supply 200 social and affordable housing in Orange, Bathurst and Dubbo. By the time, and that was meant to soak up pretty much the whole list of, of people who are on the wait list. Okay. By the time they built it all, that all got absorbed and the list hasn't changed because more people have been pushed. Oh, wow. So they've been pushed out of, out of um, uh, you know, uh, private rentals into public housing because they can't yeah. rent privately. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So this is, so you've got two types of first home buyers then, haven't you? You've got your local first home buyer who, if I'm reading what you're saying correctly, are being pushed out by the people coming from elsewhere that might have more funds. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so that's yeah. pretty hard because, I mean, that will change the flavour of a, a town for starters, you know, the whole, you know, the, the demographic makeup. Demographic. But, yeah. you know, it, it might be a little bit of resentment from the locals <laughs> as well, I would imagine. Yeah, and, you know, I like lots of people, I follow a lot of online forums and read property articles and all those sorts of things and, and you pick up sentiments um, mm. Of and if you know if one person's prepared to voice it, there's usually a hundred supporters to ask. <laughs> yeah, um, and look, there there is that element to to every market, you know. And I guess the regional markets are the village of Sydney. Mm. <laughs> or Sydney are moving out, and particularly those cities that have um, commutable options in back into Sydney, um, seeing a lot of. Um, sort of those areas, um, you know, the Bathurst Oranges particularly, where you can still live in Orange three, four days a week, commute back to Sydney um, for the day or two you need to be in the office if you need to be in the office or whatever it is. Some people are back to a day or two a month. Um, and why live in an apartment in the city if you can sell that and move out to a, a house or a farm or whatever they've decided to for the similar or same money and then go back to Sydney for the two days mm. a week, month, whatever it is. I'm seeing yeah. a lot of that. Um, that was that was already happening prior to COVID, um, but it's, it's, it's on with a vengeance at the moment for sure. It's, it's interesting we're seeing it in Brisbane as well, you know, that exodus of people who um, uh, realise that they can telecommute, if you like, or work from home and and just do those few days a week or month. Matthew, I wanted to pick up on something that you said a little bit earlier, and and that was around the struggle that agents are having to price properties. Um, It's not unique, but I'm really interested. You're a valuer, so you have a great deal of expertise, experience and, and qualifications in this space. You know, agents, buyers, agents, 
we don't value property, we appraise them. So we talk about what the market value of a property is. But from from your experience and, and, and depth of knowledge, how in the world are you pricing properties at the moment? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Tell yeah. us what what can you what can you what sort of tips could you give first home buyers who are looking at something in Orange or Dubbo or or Tamworth and they're trying to work out. You know, we teach people about using comparable sales methodology and gathering data and analysing it and so forth. Um, but but this 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 kind of premium that we're seeing at the moment. What, what what kind of insight can you give people about where they can access knowledge or or build their their knowledge bank? Um, to know what's not ridiculous to pay, but what they're probably going to have to pay. Yeah, and look, it's once again, it's it's, it's research, and what I'm finding is people who have probably been out of touch with the market for even two or three months, six months, twelve <laughs> months, they're they're out of it. You know, they got they're out of touch. So you've really got to be on it and and monitoring it. I mean, daily, ideally, mm. uh, in the markets like this. Um, but yeah. Anything that's over six or eight weeks old is is no longer current, and you've really got to be on yesterday's sale. and And to do that, you've got to be talking to agents and following sales and following properties and and really finding out where everything's at. I settled a house last week that's gone up ten percent in six weeks. So mm. what they paid for it was was already fifty grand more than the place next door sold six weeks earlier. And now it's gone up another. And quite comparable. The you know, land size is about the same. same number of bedrooms, finishes. Sorry, this is this is everything that we teach the students to look at. So just <laughs> referring back to things I know. So all of those things were quite comparable, and there's actually been a ten percent increase in that property's value. How, how's that measured? How's that been measured? Is it a valuation that was done at settlement, or is there another sale that would there's help? Another sale. Another sale. Lead over. Same. You know, four bed, two bath double garage built at the same two-year period, similar condition, similar orientation. Um, that's where it's Not at. a lot to differentiate them. So no. it sounds like I've been to Orange once and I actually love it up there. It's gorgeous yeah. and I love the wine, particularly cold climate wine for me, very good. Um, I did notice that there was quite a lot of subdivisions, you know, new subdivisions on the outskirts. And so you've got the lovely historic centre of town. This is so common with many of our larger uh, regional Mm -hmm. centres. And then you've got this urban sprawl. It looks the same as suburban Sydney or Melbourne or or Brisbane. Um, Is that the sort of stock you're talking about here? So these are sort of house and land packages that have been sold. Um, How old would they be? So Uh, they'd be... Uh, 10 years old now, 10 to 12 years old. And yeah. how do they compare to what's newly being built or are there no more subdivisions? Well, Orange is out of land at the moment. Um, it's very difficult to come here, pick a block of, block of land and build on it. Um, you know, there's more land being developed at the moment. But we just got caught, um, as a number of regional cities did, um, with not enough land zoned, not enough land in the pipeline, um, and COVID came and, oh, geez, all our land's gone overnight, you know, instead mm. of selling wow. 200, 250 blocks a year up to three, 400, um, you know, and all of a sudden you're five years behind your program and that's happened in a period of 12 months. Not something that you could necessarily plan around or prepare for, um, mm. you know, varying opinions i'm sure but we just got caught out the the demand like orange i think was 
number three in Australia for most listings sold in the last 12 months. So the agents are going, oh, there's no stock. It's like, well, there is stock. You're number three in Australia. Yeah, you're, you're selling a lot. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's just so many buyers that it's turning yeah. over very quickly. Yeah. Instead yeah. of hanging onto a property for a three-month or you know, a three-month mm. opening program, it's gone in 24 hours. And all of a sudden, sitting around wondering what you're going to do. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, that's the, the scary thing in a country area, the more land subdivision that I presumably is farming land that's being rezoned. I mean, mm. you know, we've got to eat. We've got to stop building houses on these farms, you people. So how many first home buyers would you say would be buying, you know, little farms or those bigger lifestyle blocks? Oh, not many, to be mm. honest. And they've been just priced out. I mean, the locals have been priced out. I've seen, well, here's an example, uh, a 250-acre block. The deal was sh- shook hands on in August of 2019 um, for $1.3 million, delayed for settlement until February of this year. Um, it was revalued at 1.8 and locked next doors on the market for between two, or they're asking for around $2 million. So in 18 months time, this purchaser has picked up $700,000 and he hasn't even settled on the place yet. <laughs> oh, the poor owner, <laughs> hasn't the poor seller. Plans in. But mm. I guess at the time that was probably the right money and that's the thing that we've got to remember is, was, is if yeah. you are selling, you're selling in a market and you and you can't anticipate which way the market's. None of us anticipated that this kind of market was going to exist in 2021 um, and, and people who who sold previously and didn't get the upswing in that, they, they probably bought at the same time too. So buying and selling in the same market probably got, got them some gains with their their purchase as well. They may not have been able to though. If they settled in 18 months, they may not have bought and sold no, in the same true. market. Um, have, yeah. I'm yeah. curious though, because of course, one of the things that, that you know, when I was filming location, 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 we were all around the countryside and and we certainly got used to that idea that in regional areas, you know, certainly that the properties on acreage would take a long time to sell or could take years in some cases to find the right buyer uh, or a buyer's prepared to pay enough money. Um and I guess that's a risk, isn't it? So that, that things could return to that. So, I mean, we're, this is a podcast for first home buyers and you've already said that most first home buyers are priced out of those types of properties. But if someone did have a bit more cash and they were looking at something like that, they do have to understand that these regional markets across the board, not just regional, city markets aren't always like this either. These conditions, are, you know, we're, we all think that they can last forever, but they don't. Mm. So so what what I guess... What normally happens in a re- one of the things that, that buyers have to understand in a regional market that they may not be even thinking of now? Yeah, the, the, this this golden period or whatever in the purple patch is, is will, will revert back to normality at some point. Um, the typical trend for a regional market is a sudden growth kick for one to three years, tapering off to bubbling along, you know, low growth, not necessarily negative growth. We don't really get that bad. Um, and then in 10 years' time, we'll have another kick following something that's usually happened in the capital city. Like Sydney has another run. So the the CB, uh, regional centres look cheap again and then people start to pay attention. I mean, I, I've always sort of used Blacktown and Orange as a, a comparative price point. Blacktown's always been a little bit dearer than Orange. Um, and, it's, and after the last run that Sydney had, orange median house price was 350 and Blacktown was 850 uh, and normally they're 350 450 something like wow. that. Wow. 
And I'm just thinking, wow. either Orange has got yeah. to keep in a big way or Blacktown's got to come back. And, you know, Blacktown's got a 90 million GDP or whatever it is. It's a massive economic centre for Sydney. It's not going to budge. So Orange has had to come up. You think Orange is going to catch on, so catch up, ride the wave? Orange is currently, I think it cracked 500,000. I think at the start of the year, it was, um, start of last year, it would have been sub 400,000 median house price. Mm, so, mm. you know, it's really marched on. Um, Interesting. And, yeah, I think it's still got some way to go. Um, I don't think it'll ever, it's not, not going to parry with um, or get to parity with Blacktown, but it's got to shut that, close that gap because the affordability factor of, of Blacktown forces people to look at alternate centres. And, mm. and orange, whilst we're using the word orange, is actually another word for Dubbo, Wagga, Bathurst. They all, Tamworth, they all run at a similar rate, slightly different cycles, one's up, one's down, but eventually they, they catch up to each other. Um, and that's just how economics works. But it's, it's, the markets will keep values relative to each other. I wondered about that actually. I was, that was going to be my question: is that you know, are all these regional centres do they exhibit similar characteristics? And I guess, you know, there's differences according to their primary industries or employers. Um, you know, whether they got universities and you know whether there's mining, whether there's you know what type of agriculture, all that sort of stuff. I imagine. But so I guess you're saying that generally speaking, the dynamics are, are rather similar. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, once you hit that sort of 40,000, 50,000 plus populations, the, the economies are diverse enough. You know, the, all those centres just went through a th pretty severe drought. Fundamentally, it didn't change anything. Um, the economies are, are diverse enough away from agriculture that they, they can still kick on. COVID just happened, didn't really impact on anything, making them stronger, if anything. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, there's... And, and why is that? Well, people's essential services, people still need to live um, a lot of government decentralisation in those mm. areas, universities, um, military, hospital health. You know, I think governments are probably large employers uh, in all those centres. Um, and obviously, as we know, with COVID, government was pretty encouraging Um so they're putting people on and just creating that sort of stimulus through that kind of thing. So it's when you get into the smaller towns, five, 10,000 populations, where they are a bit more of a one-horse uh, one mm -hmm. town and droughts impact them. If they're on a mine, something happens to the mining industry, you feel it. Um, you know, Parks is a good example of that. When the GFC hit, North Parks mine shut down overnight, 600 people lost their jobs. 600 people out of parks with no work is, a, is yeah, not admittedly not a percentage of that. Mm, you the population, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then that flows onto the smaller businesses where they would normally spend their money, the IGAs, the corner sh shops, the, you know, mm. all of those other industries, the, the, the tyres, car servicing, all of those things then get affected when 600 people aren't earning an income. Um, Matthew, we're running out of time, but I'm really curious. What are some of the mistakes that you see first-time buyers making specific to your area? Yeah, not doing enough research is what it comes down to and not understanding the 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 boundaries within the town of where you should and shouldn't be um, and understanding their own risk profile and what they're comfortable with and just because it's a bit like that $50,000 house, you know, <laughs> just because something's cheap and rents well um, is not the reason to buy it. 
um, if you shop around within the town, you will find better comparisons or better options mm. in better areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about understanding the, the different neighbourhoods and the different sectors of each street and which side of the road you should be on and which one you shouldn't. School catchments are very critical as well. Um, some, some schools are very strict on that. And if you're in a regional town, you know, if there's more than one public high school, you might end up where you're not, you know, not where you're aiming. Um, so there's all those things to consider. Um, How do you find that stuff out? You know, how do you find out which is the best high school, which is, apart from my, you know, my gov, where it's the NAPLAN results, that's not really enough, is it? Or how do you find out where the the undesirable parts of town are? Other than driving around everywhere yourself, what's the shortcut? What's some hacks here? Yeah, jump on the property forums. You know, Facebook's full of forums um, where people are giving out um, their opinions and... <laughs> Look, I, I choose not to get involved too much in some of that stuff, but generally across the board, if you can get enough people with the, giving the same direction, it's probably right um, based on their experiences. And everyone's ex- knowledge is based on their own experience. And the more people you can talk to, um, I'm always a great one when I'm trying to work something out is asking as many people the same question as I can to see what answers I get back. Mm-hmm. Then eventually you get to the right one. Um, get a bit of a pattern, do you think? It's, it's yeah. weaving through the individual answers and seeing what pattern forms. Yeah. There's a, uh, another a tool that I use, a uh, webpage called Social Atlas, which has um, social housing. It has whole, all sorts of stuff on it, but one of the tools is a social housing hotspot based off the census data from 2016. Um, and I, I mean, I... I always use that just as double checking. I mean, I think I know the markets, the, the locations fairly well. Yeah, just want to be doubly. That's checking. a that is a little piece of gold. Love everybody, it. write that one down. Mm. We love I th- that. I think we need yeah. to do an episode on free sources of, of property data, and I think that that should oh, okay. add right be added to the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, not every not every council has it. But the ones that do is great, and I've sort of checked it. I was checking checked it for about twelve months before I actually started to promote it to clients, mm. just to make sure that I was comfortable with the information it was providing was actually accurate. Um, but now, so when I have a client who's questioning, or well, just wants a bit of evidence about what I say, it's just not you know it's not the word of God. I actually have evidence to say that I, I can back it up, and that's a great little heat map. It's it's clear the the redder the the darker the red the higher the social housing. That doesn't mean that it's not a, it's a no-go area. It's just how you interpret the data then, isn't mm. it, Matthew? Like everything, you can get a piece of information, but they, you've got to understand what to do with it and what it means and how it impacts you. Yeah. Mm. Right. That's right. So mm. true. Now, have you seen any buyers doing anything crazy recently? Yeah. Yeah, I came across some guys who, first homeowners, they worked out that they could afford, They somehow they got finance for a $800,000 property. This is <laughs> quite a lot. That'd be quite nice, I'd imagine. For a couple of years, five years or so, and then whatever equity they pulled out of it then was going to be their deposit going on a, on the house that they actually wanted to live in. So I thought that was ballsy because um, if it went the other <laughs> way, you know, um, you'd be stuck with this property. All you can afford to do is pay the interest. So... Um, until the market's picked up and 
smothered your mistake. But, you know, I, it might work for them. It probably will. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to be gambling like that, which is effectively what it is. Um, you know, property is more of an investment in time over time um, than speculating on the market and hoping it goes up enough to cover the entry and exit costs and you've got something left over <laughs> to, you know, to pull the equity out of. I haven't touched base with them yet to see how it's going for them, but uh, little. As you say, time will tell on that yeah, one. Yeah, I guess they won't really know until they go to sell, will they? No, no, that's yeah. right. It's yeah. often the case. So the um, what's keeping you busy? I mean, you've got you said you've got first home buyers coming from Sydney. Um, I'm presuming those with a two hundred twenty thousand um, dollar budget aren't necessarily uh, don't have enough money left over to pay a buyer's agent. Uh, well, they're rent vesting. Um, uh huh. And it, they're you know they're uh, late thirties, early forties, first mm-hmm. home. Um, just been renting in Sydney had always had that dream to buy but just kept getting squeezed out and the market's moved again and every time they get a deposit saved up, it's just now not not enough. <laughs> so they've bit the bullet and gone, you know what, we can start a portfolio of properties we can afford and so they are engaging me. We've got a program in place to help them, you know, they're, you know, they, they, they're 20 years off the game so they need to catch up um, to try and help them build a portfolio of more affordable properties. Um they came through a referral from a friend who's doing it. We're doing a similar thing with, mm-hmm. and you don't need million dollar budgets to do this stuff. You just need research and enough just to get you out of off the bottom rung of the ladder, just in, into the markets a bit, into the better markets. Um, and buying the right property can help you minimise maintenance and mm-hmm. risk to, t- to tenant types and that sort of thing um, to help you build equity as fast as you're going to. Um, so, there's, so, there's a couple of really big ones I want to pull out of there, Matt, and, and, and that is, first, it isn't too late. You said they're, you know, 20, 30 years behind the game, but you can actually get started and get going and start to build towards that future. Um, so you don't have to be in your 20s to get that first foot on the ladder, that first rung. You, you can be in your 30s, you can be in your 40s, as long as you actually take action. And yes. take smart action. Not um, too not many throw, risks. <laughs> you know, you, you, your ability to take risks decreases as you get closer to retirement and the bank's ability or the bank's desire to take a, a, a chance on you actually decreases as well. So um, it's, it's a really good point. So one, it's not too late. You can get started. You can do it too. You don't have to have a million-dollar budget, but what you do have to have is a very strong strategy um, and you talked about that being a very big part of that with that that family that you're working with um and three i think the most important thing is know that local area really well because what you know in sydney and what you know about price growth in sydney and what's good and what's bad don't think you can just um you know apply that carte blanche to orange or dubbo or tamworth and and get a really good outcome so local knowledge whether that's a full search by you know someone like yourself or whether it's just a a, a sense check if you found a property and you want someone to to check into it for you. There there are ways actually to engage professionals in those areas who can make sure you don't buy the wrong property and end up ten years backwards instead of ten years forwards. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Thank you so much, Matthew. It's been really interesting uh, hearing about the dynamics of the, you know, regional area, central New South Wales. And, you know, we want to do more of these episodes and we will bring more and more of this regional insights. And I would suspect there's, there's you know, the principles that we've talked about in this episode would actually apply in quite a lot of uh, states across the country. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's, it's not... Uh it's it's a process that you apply to different markets and as long as you're applying the same you know due diligence and research and understanding your timing and your limits and your risks getting your partner and you on the same page <laughs> um, is very important so you're both targeting the same thing um, yeah it's it's uh, it's all doable and um, you know I think you know for a two hundred thousand dollar property you'd probably twenty or thirty thousand dollars in cash. As a, as a deposit, would probably get you on your way, get your finance and into it. Um, and, you know, if you're starting from absolutely zero in the bank account, it might take you a little while to build that up. Um, but, you know, if you work it out, people can sort of get that together generally. And if that's really what you want to do, well, there's a, there's a way forward and you don't need a $200,000 deposit um, before you can make your first move. Yeah. There is hope. There is hope. There absolutely is, but but it, it's it's smart buying. It's it's, it's oh, yeah. not, just, uh, not just find it on the internet and buy it. No, well that's it. Out of the eight hundred properties I looked at this week, there's five that we're considering. <laughs> 800. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, in Sydney, where, where my business is, and we often say, look, we might consider looking at 10% of what's on the market. We wouldn't actually look at 10%. And we might consider recommending 10% of what we actually inspect. So you've just narrowed it down even further, 800 down <laughs> to five. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you've got to be picky. You've really got to be picky. Absolutely. And, um, mm. and that's that's it's a secret, really, isn't it? Knowing how to be picky. <laughs> Be on the right things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fabulous. Thank you so much for giving us your time and to sharing right. your expertise with um, our audience. Um, so many little pieces of gold in there to take away if you're looking at other options outside the capital cities. But even if you're buying the capital cities, there's some great pieces of gold in there as well. It's never too late. No. No, thanks for having me. It's uh, been good to chat. Pleasure. Lovely. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.